1: Hello, and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo with Stewardship and Mission of Faith, and I'm joined today by Tom DeAngelis, Tom Terrace, and Tom Fertle. How are you guys doing? All great. Great, great nice to be here. Uh, it's good to be here with you guys. Uh, for those of you who have been with us before, welcome back to Reflections from the Heart. For those who are new, welcome. And Reflections from the Heart is, uh, is very simply a gospel reflection. And what that means is we look at the gospel for the coming Sunday. We'll We'll pray together first. We'll read the gospel, and then we'll just see what the Holy Spirit does and how he moves within our hearts here in the studio, and He's going to move in your heart as well. So if you're with anybody, just uh, you know, feel free to, to share with each other. If you're not, just uh, do like the Blessed Mother. Just ponder these things in your heart and, uh, and see what the Lord is, is, uh, is asking you to do and how, to, how we can live the gospel in our everyday lives. But before we jump in, if we could open up with a prayer, Tom, if you can lead us, brother. Absolutely. In the name of the Father
2: and the Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Lord, we just uh, give you this day. We give you our thoughts. Our actions, we turn everything towards you. We may not always see clearly the task you've put before us, but help us to have the eyes to see. Help us to have the ears to listen. Help us to have the heart to follow. For we know that you will not lead us astray. We know that you are faithful. And whatever you put before us, you will grant us the grace to persevere and to accomplish. We seek only to serve you, to help build your kingdom, to help be a light to those who are in darkness. We ask that everything that we do, All that we say be of you and with you and through you. As we gather today, guide our discussions, guide those who will hear it, touch our hearts in a way as you see fit. May we ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tom. Mr. D, Tom D'Angelo, if you can read the gospel, please.
3: Yes. Again, it's a gospel uh, according to Mark, chapter 7, and then we go from verse 1 to 8, 14 to 15, and 21 to 23. When the Pharisees with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of their elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and scribes questioned him, why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? He responded, well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandments, but cling to human traditions. He summoned the crowd again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that enters one from the outside can defile that person, but the things that come out from within are what defile. From within people, from their hearts, come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within and they defile. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Christ. So it's all it's all a matter of of the heart with our Lord, right? And that's uh, that's a challenge. Sometimes I might not um do any any deeds that are in this category here at the end you know with adultery and greed and malice whatever but there's like stuff brewing like underneath I'm like I'm really upset or I'm angry or resentful or whatever Um, but our Lord he sees my heart right so um, so I need to I think I just need to spend more time with him especially in adoration just just go just be with him and and ask him the uh, the the divine cardiologist right ask him to mm. to uh to diagnose and and treat and, and heal and just fill me with his his love so change me from the inside out
3: yeah i think it's it's helpful when we uh when we use terms like heart you know there's a lot of people will will look at that and they'll say well you know it's just it's just the way we feel about things it's just the heart but it, and actually in the uh In the New Testament, the word heart is often uh, used to refer to the head and the heart. So you'll notice that he says that from within people, from their hearts, come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, et cetera, et cetera, you know, plottings. uh, So we tend to look at the head and the heart as two different things. But in fact... In this context, the heart really refers to our inner life, and because it does refer specifically to evil thoughts and things that that actually that we would plan or premeditate ahead of time. So, you know, envy, licentiousness, deceit, some of those things that come not only – they come out of our heart, but they also come out of our thoughts, and they're part of our inner life. And really, the thing that Jesus is after here is not just the transformation of the way you feel about stuff, but a transformation of our whole inner life. He wants our thoughts, he wants our he wants our emotions, he wants our sensation, he he wants everything as deep into our hearts and minds as he can get is what, is what he wants to to uh, to help us cleanse and to become you know united with him and with the with the Father. So I think that's important, but um, that always kind of used to puzzle me for years until. Um, I read. I think it was a priest I was reading that uh, had some philosophy on this point. And it really it's very helpful because it really is our whole inner life that we have to be converted and not just the way we feel about things. And a lot of people will just look at their feelings and say, well, my thoughts don't count. You know, my thoughts are my own. They're not. God wants everything. He wants the whole inner life to be converted. And that's what Jesus is talking about. That's where uncleanliness comes from. That's where we're defiled.
2: And the, you know, the development of that inner life, the development of that prayer life, et cetera, I mean, those things take discipline, they take, Mm -hmm. you know, control, they take willpower. Which then leads us sometimes back to why we do some of the things that are on the surface, you know, like my, like when my kids say, "Does Jesus really care if I, you know, eat meat uh, on a Friday or if I'm fasting during that?" It's like, no, God does not have some divine scorecard up there going, "Oh, you know, Rob, you, you know, you didn't, uh, you know, fast on Friday." It's not about that, you know, and that's the problem. But I think Jesus is calling it out, we can get caught up on those things. No, you know, we we do those things. We sacrifice to, to train ourselves to, to get control of our own, you know, our own wants, desires, and and, and feelings. And, you know, can I put up a little bit of a hunger, a little bit of hunger, a little bit of sacrifice? It's 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 all about the inner life. And so, again, we can't get perfunctory, Rob. That's the word, perfunctory about it. Like, well, I do those things, you know you do the things because they lead to something, uh, lead to something deeper. You know, we train ourselves and and get a control of our, our wants and our desires and, and, and put up with some sacrifice to learn how to, to be in control of those emotions. So when those, because those things, Rob, I think you said it well, you know, that all those little uh, things that we, you know, we don't do those thoughts, they're going to come around and they're going to knock on the door. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if I don't have that, that, uh, that personal prayer life, that, that inner spirituality developed, I'm going to be, you know, easy prey for those things. So, uh We do some of those perfunctory things um, as practices to, to train us, you know, why does that center, uh, that football team practice hiking that ball, you know, like a thousand times a week. So when the chips are down and it's fourth and one, you know, right, then they're ready for it. So we practice. So we're ready for the challenging times. And it's very easy to not do that and only pray when it's, you know, when there's something bad going on. No, you know, we develop our spiritual life during the peaceful times. So when things are challenging, you know, we're ready.
4: Yeah, I was struck, too, in the, the, actually the first sentence, it says, like, when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, and they observed. So, they, they gathered around him, and they couldn't see who he was. They couldn't see it. They couldn't see themselves, because they're more focused on everybody else. Mm. So, they couldn't see Jesus, mm. and they couldn't see their own sins, which is what Jesus is kind of pointing out, you know, the envy and the arrogance and all that. They couldn't, they're blinded to what, who was in front of them, and they're blinded to them to their own inner self, their, their themselves. They couldn't see themselves. And so I, I think it's like, um, I don't know, probably typical of all of us, you know, at certain times we forget about, you know, Jesus, maybe even even when we're in church and we're looking at someone else, thinking certain things, you right. know, and not <laughs> thinking about, well, I'm the same way as that person,
1: probably, you know,
4: and you know, failing to see who it is we're there to to really, you know, concentrate on.
1: That's interesting you said, Tom. If we're if we're blind to Jesus, or they were blind to Jesus, um, then we are then we become blind to our own our own sinfulness. Yeah. Right, because Jesus is the, he's the way, right? He's the way, the truth, the life. He is our model. He is uh, the leader that we're supposed to be following. So if we're blind to Him, we're absolutely going to be blind to, to our own sinfulness. Because you know, if we're not in that relationship with Him, who is our everything, should be our everything, and, and we should be modeling our lives around His, his example, then yeah, we're absolutely going to be blind. So Mm. The more time we spend with with the perfect one, right? Yeah, um, that will help us in our, you know, in our call to holiness.
3: Yeah, there's a uh, there's a teaching in the Catechism that I mean a lot of people think is very. Um, I don't know what I want to say it's very much kind of like legalistic, um, but I think it's really got a profound uh, meaning to it because what you were talking about Rob is when you when you can look at the divine one and think there's something wrong with him when you can look at good and think that it's evil or look at good and think that it's bad. Um, all of a sudden the whole world gets inverted and you don't even realize it because you're stuck on your, you're so stuck in your opinion of that there's something wrong with this guy. You know, there's something wrong with the savior of mankind. Now they, they weren't open to it. So he wasn't for them. He was probably sort of the enemy for them. So you turn, you turned good, the, the ultimate good to evil and maybe even to the ultimate evil. But the teaching in the the catechism is that when people um, fall into mortal sin, initially they recognize it's wrong. And they they feel badly about it, and they try maybe try to pull themselves out again. You know, mean fell into adultery, or you know, beat their spouse, or something like that. But then the second time it happens, the third time it happens, it becomes more to the you know to their mind, to their heart, it becomes more acceptable. To the point where there's there's a point where, and the catechism recognizes this, where for the habitual mortal sinner, the evil becomes good,
1: hmm.
3: and the, and and then the good becomes evil. Hmm. So. Chastity becomes a problem. It's it's a restriction of my freedom. You know, um, not getting you know, trying to restrain my anger when I get upset is seen as something that's oppressive. You know, I shouldn't have to do that. I should be able to lash out at people when I want to because why? Because I'm I'm right. I'm always right. You know, it really creates a kind of a moral blindness in our hearts. And I think I look around so many times and I see people justifying themselves on the basis of how they feel about a certain thing. And you look at something like people who think abortion is a virtue, is a good thing. And I think, at least I, now I can understand and sympathize and pray for them. I mean, their whole world is inverted. They think that I've heard women talk about abortion as a virtue. It's a good thing. It's a blessing. From, I've heard it called a blessing from God. Wow! How, wow. Can, how can you, like, where does that come from? You know, when you think about Jesus here, what part of the human heart does that come from? It has to come from something, like you said, Rob, that looks at Jesus and says there's something wrong with him. There's something morally wrong. He's not right, you know? And then how lost are we, you know, when we're, when we're in that condition and, you know, and for people like that, I think all you can do is pray. I mean, all you can do is pray for them that, Mm. that, that that somehow or another the light will break through that darkness because uh, it just, you know, when you talked about that, you know, people criticizing Jesus, you think, well, geez, they didn't know. And even Jesus even said, you know, father, forgive them. They don't, they have no idea what they, they know not what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing.
2: Yeah, We can joke about, you know, Catholic guilt, but Catholic guilt's a good thing. I mean, you know, if you think about it, you know, the enemy doesn't want guilt. Anybody, any, the enemy doesn't want us to recognize or have something saying, well, you know, I kind of got out of, wa-. no, they want, like you're saying, they want, he wants us to, to embrace, you know, the, the opposite of the good. He wants mm-hmm. us to embrace the evil and think that it's whole and right. Cause then, then, then we're hooked. You know, as long as we have that, as long as we have that, you know, that, that guilt or that nagging feeling, then we're, you know, then, then there's a better chance for redemption or recognizing mm-hmm. that we've done wrong and we turn for forgiveness. No better yet that we are convinced that this is the right way and this is what yeah. we want. You know, he. He, he wants he wants he wants advocates he wants people doing his will you know you gotta go back to the the screw tape letters you know i think one of the greatest writings ever you know with, with um uh, you know c.s lewis to you were saying about church i say you know that the enemy doesn't want you to not go to church he wants you to go to church and sit there mm-hmm. and you know label everybody <laughs> yeah. how horrible they are and yeah. you're so righteous and wonderful that's what that's you know yeah, that's yeah. what he wants so it's um that's yeah, a much it,
3: richer sinner absolutely yeah. <laughs> like he always says the, yeah. the, the
2: bum you know not to be uncharitable like says so the bum in the street you know in the gutter does and that that means nothing to the yeah, enemy. Yeah. I'll, I'll give me the holy person who's at church, you know, going through the motions. You know, see, yeah. I go, I put, a, I put my envelope in the box, and I, you know, I went to the, you know, the whatever the, the, you know, the parish, you know, being, I do things in the church, but my interior life, mm-hmm. you know, I am vengeful and deceitful and all these types of things. That's that's uh, prime pickings for the enemy, no doubt, mm-hmm. no doubt. You
1: think it's possible that <clears throat> that the uh, the sin, you know, sin is all, you know. It's it's all bad, right? But the, could the horrific sin of others blind us of our quote unquote little sins? You know, like where we are so focused oh, on yeah.
2: the, the, the sure, splinter yeah. and the beam in the eye, Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right,
1: right. Yeah, um, yeah so, I, I think that's a distraction. Like that, the the evil one probably loves that too, right? That we spend all this time talking about other people's grave sins, and you know, it, it, there's two choices at the end, right? It's, it's, it's well, the last four things, right? Death, judgment, heaven, hell, <laughs> right? So. It's either like a big whopper is going to you know, yeah. send you down the wrong road or yeah. a bunch of little the accumulation of little ones, yeah. but we're either going to go one or two places. And, yeah. uh, and God, through his love, gives us free will. We can choose him and choose to live for him, choose to accept his mercy, but choose right. to be open for him to shed light on our own sinfulness, not anybody else's. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. uh, you know, we have to be careful of that, too. So.
3: Yeah, I, I think too. There's this. There's this perception that people have that when they're a little sinner, that there's it's still okay for them to criticize big sinners, you know, and to kind of feel smug about the fact. Well, at least I don't do that, you know. But the very act of doing that is already putting you in kind of in their <laughs> camp. You know, I mean, you, okay, so I don't commit adultery. I haven't murdered anybody. At a, and, you know, you go through the big list, the big, mm-hmm. list of big things, and you see other people have do the you know people that are out promoting abortion or, you know, they're, they're running around on their spouse and stuff like that. Well, At least I don't do that. But that in and of itself is a problem. I mean, that comparison—that that's the that's the what the evil one is after. You know, and the other thing I remember years ago when people started. Haranguing others about Catholic guilt, you know, and I, I remember I heard I think I heard this from a priest one time, and he said, you know, Catholic guilt is not really doesn't really feel that good. He said, but when you consider the alternative, it's actually pr- pretty good. You know, the alternative is you don't feel guilty about anything. Mm-hmm. Just, you go you literally go to hell in a handbasket, you know, as opposed to Catholic guilt is designed to make you do the right thing. I mean, it's guilt for a reason, and when you lose that. Then you're again. It's like the, what Jesus calls the blind leading the blind, you know, and then both fall into a pit.
1: And then, so. and I think it's the timing of it. So if uh, if our Lord is giving us the, this gift of of that feeling of guilt, and uh, you know, the, the the quicker we notice and realize that wow, I was I was off, you know, that that's good. That you know, yeah. shows progress in our spiritual journey. But I also heard it said that if you know, guilt a gift from God. But if it lasts for more than three seconds or five seconds or whatever to to get you to turn, then it could become a a real tool of the enemy, you know, to to take you down that road of shame. And, you know, so it's, you know, it's that gift, you know, an informed conscience, right? Then we feel that and hopefully we'll amend our ways, our thoughts, our actions. But if we allow our, you know, allow the enemy to to take us down that road, it could definitely lead to some things that in some places we don't want to go.
2: Right. If I'm if I'm feeling guilt, that means I've I've done something, and I need to rectify that. So if I just if I let that go, I don't go to confession or make amends with whomever or whatever it is, then it becomes a club that I beat myself up with. So mm-hmm. right. I mean, we when we do wrong, I mean, the whole point is. That we turn away from that sin and, and you know and, and and strive to do better, but you you have to, it has to be dealt with. It's not something right to to keep hanging around, or it, yeah. it, it will drag us down. Well, um, yeah. yeah, go.
3: Please. And, and more to the point, it's not so much the guilt that needs to be dealt with because that's the symptom, right? You're, what the I underlying the, yeah. whatever's causing the guilt is what mm-hmm. needs to be dealt with. So, to your point, Rob, I think that's true. Um, you, you know, if you're if the guilt lasts too long it's not the fault of the guilt it's the fault of the fact that you haven't taken care of the thing that thing was causing yep, the guilt mm. in the first place and that's the thing that i think a lot of people miss because then but if you treat the guilt as if that's the problem you never get to the problem mm. the problem was the sin that caused the guilt and you just let that go and you say well let's just put that away again i think that's part of the and you know there's another thing that's you'll see you'll read the catechism Venial sin, habitual venial sin eventually leads to an erosion of the moral sense to the point where mortal sin becomes very possible. It starts looking like it's not so bad, you know. It's another one of those things that was drummed into my head and, you know, Second, third, fourth grade, but I thank God, you know, I carry those things with me all the time because I know the reason why I go to confession regularly and confess those little sins is because they desensitize me over a period of, I let it go, I let it go, I let it go, I don't care, you know, I, I feel a little guilty, but not enough that really makes me want to go to confession. And, you know, at what point do you have 15 or 20 or 30 little sins that have accumulated enough guilt that really makes you go as opposed to you did something wrong? You know, I went out on a bender last night and I got drunk and wrecked my car and injured somebody. I need to go to confession. You know, now if you don't deal with that guilt, that's a whole different thing. But again, it's not the guilt that's the problem. It's the thing that causes the guilt that you need to deal with. And Mm -hmm. that's where... I think our culture has said, you know, you shouldn't feel guilty about anything. Well, no, there's things you should feel guilty about. There's a lot of things we should feel guilty about, and to just say to dismiss it, I think that comes out of people who have desensitized themselves morally to the point where they, they don't think anything's wrong. Whatever you feel is right is right. But I think those are those are some of the the old school things that really kind of bring us back to our roots. That's what, that's what we're about.
1: And if you think about it, what you're talking, it's it's fascinating. I'm I'm thinking in terms of what do we spend the most time on and what do we value the most in our culture, you know, Mm -hmm. sports, the arts, academics, careers, right? Uh, And we examine those. You know, we watch game films. We, you know, we rehearse. (laughs) We, you know, we go to get all this training to get the right job, to make the right enough money to get the right house. And we have all these goals that we set and we examine every aspect. If you're, you know, if you're really... Intense and 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 you want to proceed and, and right. p- progress in those areas, but what you're talking about is examining just our, our life, you know. Yeah. So it takes time to do that, and sometimes accountability with someone else looking in, like we have with, right. in all these other areas, where we have directors and arts, yeah, we have, have the coaches, coaches we have teachers, got, yeah. we have right. we have you know leaders in our and in, in, in our, in our, our workplace. Um, but how often do we do we do we take? sin that seriously and and our Lord doesn't want us to focus on that but he like virtue how often do we take virtue that seriously that we want to ascribe to a virtue that is beyond what you know anybody expects you know where where people are ah you don't have to be that you don't have to go Yeah, you're going overboard do we ever take the time to examine our life in light of virtue with the same rigor that we do with sports the arts academics and career Yeah, so I know I need to. Well,
3: and that's you know that's one of the things that I I grew up with. That was part of our moral life, our moral training when when I was growing up back in the fifties and the sixties, and so and it carried over into sports. It's one of the reasons why you know. We, we used to have a lot of good Catholic football teams in the diocese because it's the same process. It's just you're doing it in athletics instead of doing it. You look at what's wrong, and that's the other thing too. It, there's a process that's involved with it. You find the things that are wrong and you look for a way to make them better. So at some point, you you're constantly going through this upward, you know, and uh, there's there's research on uh, you know outstanding performers on high performers in athletics in particular but uh, but in the arts musicians people who will spend hours working on their flaws with the intent of getting they know where they want to be like i have to work this fingering out on the violin because it's just awkward you know i can't get this part of Vivaldi or what you know, whatever. So they work and they work and they work and they work until they do it perfectly. And then what do they do after they get that? They play it, they do a concert, then they look for the next one to fix. They're constantly working on things to fix. And that's, again, going back to the beginning here, this is what Jesus is. He wants our mind and our heart. He wants us constantly working on what's standing in the way. How do I get rid of that? Okay, that's out of the way. What about this? Oh, there's another habit I just discovered. Sometimes you pull the... The ones right in front of your face away, and you see Mm -hmm. there's another one. You know, I didn't really, I didn't even really think about that one because this other one was right in my face. You know,
2: and those um, musicians, process of perfection. Those artists, they recognize that it's it takes their work to do that. Mm -hmm. They don't project. Well, if only this guitar was made different, it'd be easier. to I mean, they recognize that they have to put the work into it, and that's what hit me here with this. You know, what defiles nothing from the outside. You know, can defile. It's it's from within. You know, that examination of conscience is have I loved God? Have I loved my it doesn't say, you know, well, did someone at work make you angry and then you went home and got No, no, that's not what the examination is. What did I do? What did I think? What did how did I act? You know, so that perfection you just said, I love that word Tom. That spiritual perfection, which I think we're called to somewhere in scripture Mm -hmm. about being perfect, right? Exactly. Again, it comes from within. We, you know, outside forces can impact us, but it's it comes from within, and, and and how we develop that relationship, our spiritual life.
1: Now, do you think there's a relationship, Tom, or, or a, a timing with um, you know, nothing defiling us from the outside, and uh, you know, and, and in your journey, like if you're if we're early in our journey, if, if we put ourselves in temptation's way, we might fall, mm. um, which would then you know then we'd be defiled. So, is it is it like a a balancing act once once we're kind of set in our relationship with the Lord that you know, we don't have to worry about the crowd we're hanging out with because you know, we know God can work in and through us to, to reach some of the people. And But what they're doing doesn't defile us. You know it's, uh, you yeah. what I'm saying?
2: Back to that, like, you know, avoiding a, near occasions of sin. Like, do I put my, do I set myself up for failure or success? I, and I think, yeah, we definitely, we can make conscious decisions that will, can impact us and, and lead us astray. You know, c- talk to the recovering alcoholic who say, I'm always an alcoholic. Well, the last thing I, you know, the last thing I want to do is go hang out at the bar with a bunch of friends <laughs> on a Friday night. You know, I might be able to make it through there, but is that the yeah. wisest decision? Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, even though we might feel insulated or strong enough, should I put myself in a situation where, you know, I might, I might let that. Whole, I let that gap in what i'm doing
1: our lord is always challenging us it's so cool that uh, i've played golf here and there but you know just like golf you can never master the game you can always yeah. work on a shot. this is like our faith life you know especially mm-hmm. our, our catholic faith it is so rich so deep I and mean, we can we can just spend the rest of our lives here trying to uh to, to plumb the depths of it you know we just had two amazing saints that we celebrated this week monica and Augustine, right um and St. Augustine said, you know, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, right? So all the things that we do, and Tom, you made up a good point, Tom Daniels. when you talked about your faith life spilled into your sports. And right mm-hmm. now, a lot of that's not happening. So yeah. maybe we do it the other way. The people that are going after the sports and the arts and the academics and the career, they're putting that in, that 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 effort, and then we just make a little turn with mm-hmm. them to take that effort and and overlay it into their faith life. So with that, we'll uh, wish everybody an awesome weekend and we'll talk to you next time. God bless you all.
0: Thank you. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, A Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a gospel reflection group. For information on locations and times of gospel reflection groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship a Mission of Faith is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to him.